Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Uh, Welcome. You guys, if you... In a world. <laughs> <laughs> I bet our uh, our listeners have not heard you read Hello Ninja, <laughs> the original board book available um. on... Because that's pretty good. I, I haven't either. You did all the sound effects. Oh, I did. Yeah. This is true. Planes, sheep, coyotes, snakes. <laughs> Whatever happened to Blah Blah Black Sheep and why hasn't that released? Oh, I'm sorry. Not Hello Ninja. Blah Blah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you want to talk about it on the podcast? Because we're waiting on you. No, you're not. You're actually not. There's no way you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only reason you're could, the one that we blame you for. <laughs> I, could, I could go check my email history and i guarantee you you're not waiting on me the manuscript's not done wait i haven't received edits mm, we'll check yeah I'll go check, go check your email check history i'm pretty sure thing. the tennis ball has like bounced <laughs> to a stop to on a st- your side of the court <laughs> this is and, where and if it hasn't if it's on my side i'm not even going to be apologetic i'm yeah. just gonna pretend like i didn't say this into a microphone yeah well it's recorded so I'll yeah, be able to play i won't watch any links you send me <laughs> <laughs> i'll just yes i'll just ignore the entirety Stay of this whole tuned. thing but yeah but blah blah black sheep needs to be out there the full length it's probably the best thing i've ever written well dude it's pretty memorable <laughs> so Except for I only just remembered it after <laughs> after a very long time of although I will say I've been asked many, many times about it. I just yeah. forget. I blame you. Well, I think it's, it's obviously in Brian's court. I'm working on this scarcity. Is Brian's court. This is the law of scarcity. Yep. If they people can't have it, the more they want it. So eventually we'll release it and it will be yeah. huge. Perfect. It's gonna be enormous. <clears throat> huge. Wildly profitable. Yep. Blah blah black sheep. Well, you know, I'm happy that we don't have to sit here and talk about politics. Donald Do we Trump, not? Donald Trump being arrested. We get to talk about Did he get pets. arrested? Did he get arrested yet? Did <laughs> he said happen? he's getting arrested tomorrow. I really hope he does. Just to just a, I, an I agent hate, of chaos. <laughs> I hate boredom. <laughs> don't promise me things and then have them not come to I, I pass. I know, I know. That's the worst is the fake. You're gonna have a house fire this summer. And then I don't. And it's really disappointing. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, it's I. I definitely am a sucker for narratives and like plot points and action, and I, I need things to propel. I need things to yeah. Always, so always you, be propelled. You love forward. the break into two, the moment where yeah, it's all I, of a sudden. Absolutely, I love the inciting incident. I want constant breaks when I the want, character like, accepts the call, and the next thing happens, and they're yeah, her bam, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's what okay. I want. Well, Donald, so if you Donald, can do anything. Yeah, and until he's arrested, I'm just not interested in him as a character at all. Yeah, he's been really boring. It, it's just there's nothing there. Yeah, there's I mean, nothing the, there at the all. The germaphobe thing ruined it all. The yeah, gosh, Donald and COVID in a world <laughs> where your president is afraid of germs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, let's see. We. I thought probably time for a pet update from the Wilson House, being as we have acquired. Yes. Well done. A beagle. From the Cole House. The um, pet update to the Wilson House from the Cole House. Yes. Well, yeah. I wanted to check in on you guys and see because oh, you okay. had like, I think, 10 or 12 pets at one uh, point. And we I, have, at the moment, we have two geckos, a black-headed python named Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a giant African tortoise and currently living in a plastic pool in my library. Okay. Uh, and 
her name is Rosalinda. Mm-hmm. And my father-in-law, who also lives with us, calls her Esmeralda and cannot ever remember <laughs> what her actual name is. Uh, she's huge. She's probably 55 pounds. How old is she? About? Uh, let's see. So she was given to my daughter on my daughter's fifth birthday. My daughter's now 18, so 13 years old. Okay. And they can get pretty old, right? Yeah. Yeah. Esmeralda should outlive us all. Like uh, like 150, right? <laughs> and will be enormous. These are the giant burrowing tortoises. She pastures outside in all the warm the warm months has a big patch, quarter acre or so that she just Do you mows. fence her in or does she stay? You no, she her? does not stay. She's fenced. Mm, she okay. will she will go die She'll off make in the a, farmer's field somewhere. Make a break for Guatemala. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So that's Rosalinda. So yeah, two geckos, Dave the Black, and they are named Speck and Cindy after the rattlesnakes in okay, Outlaws good. of Time. Dave the black-headed python, Rosalinda the giant African tortoise, and then we have uh, my father-in-law, mm-hmm. Bill Garraway, <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Dixie Mist, Molly Mac, and Charlie Mac, three GSPs, which stands for, for those of us who don't know, the German uh, short German, hair German short hair pointers. pointers. Yes, I just yeah. couldn't remember the G. Yeah, <laughs> the German. The G is for German. They're very smart. They're very friendly. Funny. Yeah. Hunters all day, every day. Yeah. Um, and when we got the first one, I was warned that they're a very energetic breed. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had five children, the oldest of whom was in sixth grade. And I figured this dog's going to need a like a safe word and a, yeah. a nice time, time out place <laughs> yeah. in terms of energy. And yeah, she did actually. There's a right. lot of times where she kennel trained really easily because she... The kids were not allowed to get her in her kennel. You may not touch her, pull her out, do anything, just leave her when she's in her crate. Yeah. And so she would just go hide and sleep and then come out and party and there'd be kids, you know, nice partying with her. Then she, she needed that spot. So yeah. uh, What is weirder than giving your kids a dog for Christmas? More unexpected was giving the same kids another dog the next christmas <laughs> mm. we thought what would they never expect the christmas <laughs> after getting a puppy for christmas would be another puppy nice and they we were right they were very confused they were extremely confused they were like wait a minute yeah and we did that the gift we did it late at night so we wouldn't have to hide her we you know woke him up brought him down uh they all to sit in a circle and i set the new puppy in between them and they were in their in their sleep fogged minds uh one of them immediately asked what happened like how did dixie shrink <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> and, it's, and they're they're half sisters yeah those first two and we daisy chained them so there's uh half sisters and then half brother mm. you know on the other side nice and the three gsps are a party they nice. are a party and then we have an almost infinite supply of owls uh, falcons, ravens, and mice. Yeah, out on our land. Right. And I told my daughter really wanted a pet raven, and I told her she may have one. And I just said, "These are all yours." <laughs> like, see these ravens? Because we were watching yeah. some big mountain ravens at the time, and she really wanted one. I was like, "You may have it. It's, it's those are yours. Those are yours. <laughs> those are your ravens. That's awesome. Um, they're your ravens. These are your." owls these are your hawks and falcons and you know there you go you may train them you may domesticate them you may do whatever you want or you can just let them 
yeah live outside your window they're yours nice well as i'm I'm applying all of our lessons to our life as as the beagle sings in the basement at night (laughs) (laughs) what's the beagle's name is scout scout of course scout Scout. yes just a just a good old beagle name um and as he sings in the basement i think what would my children want? I'm just glad he didn't name him Aragorn or something. Well, that was a suggestion. One of my <laughs> one of my children wanted Aragorn. Aragorn, the beagle. <laughs> yep. The other one uh, that I was- Not Aragorn, let's be very clear. Aragorn. Uh, yes, key. And they were like, well, Strider, dad. And I was like, Strider's better, but still. <laughs> These are short legs. This, <laughs> yeah. is a, this is a beagle. There's no striding. He's... Maybe an Irish wolfhound named Strider. Yeah. But- uh, Miguel, the Miguel is the other, was, was the other <laughs> suggestion, but, um, Scout's good. Scout's good. Yeah. <laughs> right now the baby and Scout just lick each other face to face, tongue to tongue. And that's, that's the, that's the process we're trying to put a stop to. That is what we all should have done for COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been more effective. <laughs> Everyone get down face to face with a Beagle. Whatever was in that Beagle's mouth will now be in your mouth. Your immune system is going to be incredible. Yeah, the Hulk. Literally it's gonna be Hulk. it's gonna be incredible. Yeah. So, are you uh, full of regrets yet, or are you? We're committed? past the regrets. You're committed to the narrative. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. Several months later, what will my children want? Lifetimes later, will they look back and say, "Dad had a good sleep for a couple of weeks." Yeah. Or Dad got us a dog. When yep, we were kids. We got a dog. Well, actually, I mean, I was gonna. This is something I think we've only done an audio, but you gave that. Uh, you don't really think pets are an option. No, as I don't. far as parents, you think I they're don't. a requirement? They are required. Yeah. So we we've only got three. This we've is the got, pets episode now. Yeah, <laughs> we've got ruffian and rascal, the gerbils, and then okay, and then little villains. Those yes. are always villains. Cannibals. Yeah. That uh, ours. You know, you just put enough boxes in there; they don't kill each other. That's what I've learned because they chew, they chew nonstop on the boxes yeah. instead of each other. But my friends, yeah, yeah lots of cannibal they stories. Because their insides would grow through their brains. Because their teeth never stop growing. See, like lots of rodents. God made rodents very interesting. The, <laughs> yes. The, yeah, the biological tooth killer. If yeah. you're not working, you're dying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <a> rodent. <laughs> yep. Uh, the beagle's very interested in the gerbils. So uh, no doubt, there may be a tragedy in our future at some point at the at the appropriate time. There may be there may be a tragedy. Yeah, I but, did actually. I did actually see a clip of somebody with an indoor beaver, and it, and it made me think. That would be really awesome. And then as I watched this hilarious clip, I thought, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, can they just as, chew anything? Oh, yeah. But <laughs> as the beaver, and I, I don't know the context other than somebody trying to have a viral reel, you know. Uh, but this beaver was working really, really hard in this large house, collecting things and just dragging them to the end of the hall and just built a dam, just dammed <laughs> off the hallway <laughs> with a, an artificial Christmas tree, you know, sweatpants, slippers, yeah. teddy bear, like just was running and collecting and just building a dam. And that's cool. I thought, that's hilarious. Well, you do. This reminds me. You, I used to think, man, how could you get that much fur out of beavers? Like, how was it worth yeah. it? But then I think they're 20 or 30% bigger back when the mountain men. Were, yeah, well, they, uh, yeah, they can get pretty big. Yes. They when can, they were un, unkilled, the Indians yeah, didn't care about them. They can just get big they can just live and get big and destroy many a forest but circling back to the uh pets yeah necessity this goes back to the the old question of are we trying to be like god or not yeah and yeah it's very simple are you trying to be like god or not and as dads are you trying to be like god the father or not 
And the answer is obviously for any Christian is that, yeah, we should be trying to be like God. And God gave us a bunch of stuff to take care of. He gave us a bunch of animals, you know, this whole world of animals to take care of. So do I want to imitate that or do I not want to imitate that? And I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a, it's, it's harder. You know, it just, it just is harder to have animals. Uh, Friends with horses. It's harder. You know, when, uh, when Darren, uh, Darren Doan, good friend is off picking up hay for his horses. That's work. You know, tending horses is work. Uh, Training dogs, doing a, doing a good job as a master is work. If you, if you slack off, you can't just have them. If you slack off, then right. You've, you've failed in this next level of difficulty, the next level of imitation of what we're supposed to be doing. So I really, I don't think there are obviously situations where you can't get your kids pets, but we always had with our little kids, we always had pets of at whatever, whatever capacity we can handle, whether it was praying mantises that are seasonal pets, you know, and you had to like feed the mantis and catch flies and put them in there and like, you Mm -hmm. know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Fish. Like we always had things that are alive that we gave you that you have to try to take care of. Right. And when they're really little, you either want them extremely durable, like a dog or extremely disposable, (laughs) like gerbils or goldfish, goldfish, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. But you don't want to instill the wrong lesson, which is just, they can just die. Right. You know, yeah. Whatever. We don't care about our animals. We just let them die. Is yeah. the wrong. Just the quick lifespan of a goldfish I've found is pretty perfect. Yeah. It, you know, it, it lasts works. a summer or two. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of my earliest life lessons were pet related. You know, my rat. Right. My pet rat that my dad didn't wouldn't get buy me a dog, but he did buy me many, many small animals. And uh, I remember the rat. I put syrup on my finger and put it in the cage for the rat to lick off. But the rat just. Chomp chomped like straight through to the bone and i still remember the rat hanging from my finger <laughs> as i think you betrayed me that was but, that was unintelligent brian yeah it was really dumb <laughs> that's a kindergarten dumb move that i never forgot <laughs> and i forgave my rat it wasn't his fault I so our first i think our first pet was jack the bull snake and mm. uh, that was there were some interesting lessons there too because uh, my son captured this juvenile bull snake uh, on along along a railroad down by Hawaii on the Snake River, mm-hmm. and uh, with his uncle Gordon, early early right in the dance episode there, and then brought him home and took him to kindergarten to try to you know he was he was going to live there, and so Jack was really having trouble, and the kindergarten teacher was telling me like he's not eating and he's you know no energy and everything's bad, and, and as we pulled the we pulled jack home to figure out what was going on and uh discovered that the kindergarten teacher didn't know that snakes drink oh so jack was very thirsty yeah (laughs) and so uh she was spritzing him with a mister and that was the extent of his water was a little like missed spritz so amphibian level yeah yeah and just a basic misunderstanding of a desert creature and so still needs to drink. <laughs> and so when we got him home and found discovered this, like, okay. There's no water. And, and There's I'd no asked water all dish. these questions yeah. of like, are are you giving him water? Like, does he is he drinking? And she would say, Yes, I'm mm-hmm. giving him water. Cause that was that yeah. was the you know, that was the thought. 
And I remember sticking Jack's face in a bowl of water and just, you know, holding him and just, you know, sticking his face in there. And he, at this point, he was on death's door Mm. and he just kept his face in there and just swallowed and just drank water until that whole snake must have just been a water balloon. (laughs) One of those long balloons. (laughs) Yeah. And he just sat in there and watching a snake drink is actually is pretty wild that's cool i don't think i've seen and then because he had lost his appetite wasn't able to eat at that point we had to force feed him Mm. and that was a neat discovery so my uncle gordon told us he's like it's actually pretty easy you know you lever the mouth open and then once you put the food far enough back in the throat there's a swallow reflex because they can't throw up snakes it's just gonna go down vomit yeah oh i've seen it done Oh, they can vomit. I've seen a snake vomit. Yeah, I saw a, a garter snake. Oh yeah, slugs. Actually, when we've caught them after eating, they'll. I've seen them vomit slugs. Out yeah. So if they're fish. if they've just recently eaten, then they're under threat and they're trying to accelerate to escape. They can puke something up. Yeah. Okay. That's um, what happens. But it's like under distress, they'll they'll do it. Yeah. So Jack the bull snake, uh, he did not want to eat anything. He just wanted to have his drink and die in peace at that point, and. Got a, a little shard of a popsicle stick, and Gordon sat there and showed me how to lever his lower jaw open. And we rolled up little balls of hamburger and tucked this raw hamburger in its in his mouth, and then poked it to the back of his throat. And he just had this the swallow reflex. So this is probably the only bull snake that ate cows. Well, I was gonna say he's like, where can I get this taste? Ever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he he came back pretty quick and lived many years. After that, uh, he eventually died tragically, uh, like a python trying to eat an alligator. He, he went to the death with a very large mouse Mm. and, um, was overconfident (laughs) and ate that thing before it was dead. And it, it regained consciousness inside the, inside the snake. And that's the end of Jack, the bull snake, but we had him for many years and then rory uh replaced him with dave the black-headed python okay nice and uh who's beautiful i mean just a really strikingly gorgeous snake those snakes look like they're painted by a first grader because they yeah the heads are so black yeah like the level of blackness achieved is you know the eyeball and head is is incredible and then his body is very autumnal and so he's got you know this yellow orange rusty body and this jet black head and he's got he's gotten quite large i mean he's maybe seven feet now six oh or seven. wow that's cool yeah so dave and with rory off at school heather very diligently goes in and gives dave his water and she's a little nervous about feeding him his dinner but <laughs> she gets him his gets him his water but that's yeah great. dave is great jack was first we had some mini mantises and uh mantis is the one that gave me one of my weirdest nature moments ever and i've had weird nature moments but Mm -hmm. one of the weirdest i've ever had was watching a mantis rip the head off a fly and big fat fly shucked the head off and just went in for the you know the yummy tasty meal behind the head and while this mantis is eating a decapitated fly and you're looking at this thinking this is you know so gory yeah and even now there's people thinking i don't want to hear this (laughs) it's a fly yeah it's a fly it's a bug eating a bug and so this uh mantis is eating the fly and at this moment head's gone fly knows it's done uh it delivers 
a bunch of young. <laughs> and there's, I'm sitting here watching. <laughs> Nasty. And watching this fly and live birth. And I was like, what on earth? I had no idea this was possible. You know, it's like in any way Just for there maggots. to be. Yeah, little tiny baby maggots. I mean, tiny ones that hit the bottom of the mantis's cage and then just started wriggling for cover in every different direction. These little tiny things. And man, I did not know this survival. I did not know this was a thing that there's like maternal instincts that could kick in for a fly that has already lost her head. Her head is gone. Wow. And that kicked in. And so that was a little stunning to me. That's crazy. And it's probably one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And I've gone hunting for wild things. And that happened at, at our kitchen table. You know, it's like that's uh, once once we had a pet. <laughs> so That's great. No, I remember I we caught garters, of course, all summer oh, yeah. long. And as you must do. And uh, I tried to introduce one to my rat thinking they'd be friends. I was not very smart. And the rat just bit its head. And I felt like a bad steward. You know, I, I forced yeah. these two, yeah. these two pets. Because you were, because you were a bad steward. <laughs> the, neither... the garter snake we were trying to use uh, as Patricia in our Ashdown Burials uh, book trailer. Oh yeah, is the one that taught me that garter snakes puke. <laughs> she was like, I did not want to be. An <laughs> I don't want to be in your stupid book trailer. <laughs> Stop filming me, or I'm going to vomit. Yep. This the snake that you're casting me as. Did did yeah. this snake vomit? Because I'm about to vomit. Yeah. And it was it was unpleasant. That's fun. The garter snake musk is one of the worst smells. Oh. It's it's. I'm impressed that they're able to do something so foul as a yeah as a. As what's a the biggest? What's the biggest garter snake you've ever caught? Dude, I'm not too big. I feel like we're getting close to two and a two feet maybe is okay. kind of like the biggest that I've ever gotten. But I know they get way bigger than that. Yeah, right? I've I've with Gordon again. We've caught a couple of jumbos. Yeah, how big? And close to four feet, you know, over three feet. I mean, big ones, like where you just instinctively think this is not a garter snake and it's so thick. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're running over 36 inches, you know, there's, they're such good animals. And watching them swim is phenomenal. Just cruise across a pond, you know, they seem very cool. I I think uh, they have such an important role where they're just cleaning up all the pests and getting warm in the sun. And I don't yep. know. I don't know. It's, they do nothing wrong. Yeah. A garter snake does nothing to you. Any of you who object to a garter snake in your yard, come on. Yeah. I still remember that's something Christy had to, we had a bunch of little boys catching snakes all the time. So yeah. she had to quickly be a mom who's fine with reptiles. Yeah. But one of the very first ones, the boys ran up and stuck right in her arm and the snake struck and bit her. It just like chomped <laughs> yeah. down. And uh, we had to say, well, that was, that was caused to, the snake's not mean. It just thought you were about to eat it. Yeah, <laughs> so. you were mean. <laughs> you were mean to the snake. I uh, grabbing a vine snake, a green vine snake, which is amazing uh, in Sri Lanka. That for me was it was just this decision of like it's got to bite me. Mm-hmm. I only have access to its middle. Yeah, you know, I, instead of up by the head where it's yeah, safe, I can't yeah. I can't grab this safely. But this is so gorgeous, and I'm alone, and I need to hang on to it till cameras and you know my uncle get here i'm going to catch the snake yeah uh and yeah just leaning off kind of this drop off and it's out in this bush and we're pre-afternoon monsoon i know we don't have long until just the sky is about to fall on us yeah you know in these rainforests and it's green as 
phenomenal. You know, the, the tone is great. And I'm sitting here, I, I must, I must. And I know it's going to bite me. That doesn't make it a bad snake. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm about to grab it. And so what can it do? Yeah. Did it get you pretty good? Yeah, it did. It did. It, it did its job. Um, <laughs> but it's also, I knew that it was venomous, but like mildly venomous. See, that's what I was worried about. I, I would feel like I'd have to quickly Google it and would lose the chance to be like, is this one going to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I knew it was venomous, but like worst case, I might be vomiting. Like okay, it, it could make me, you know, sick to my stomach if it got me and it's rear fanged. So it was okay. not a huge snake. So it'd have so, to get way. So it was going to really get me yeah. um, in, order to, in order to get me. And I, I grabbed it and it popped my hand real good and totally worth it and i watched its venom like there was this little foamy like spritz it couldn't get its fangs into my skin it just was spritzing the venom on this on the surface of my skin <laughs> were you shouting dane <laughs> <laughs> no i waited very patiently okay and it, it calmed down like i, I was okay. like this is we got to make this not a stressful yeah thing and vine snakes are their architecture is phenomenal so they have their rib cage is so steep it's really, really steep, so they can protrude. They can cantilever themselves way out from the branch that they're hanging onto. They just have a lot of well, they kind of vertical it. engineering. Gotcha. So as they, if you have a a wider ribcage snake, it goes out, then it's going to flop and fall. Like it can only hold its mass. Yeah. So think about a heavy-bodied snake or something like that. It's going to stretch out away from a tree trunk or away from a branch. You know, it can't go so far. But a vine snake can really mm. get this rigidity and just keep on cruising. Um, and a flying snake, another rib trick, the flying snake we, we had in Sri Lanka was also pretty stunning. Okay. So, Cause those are another rib. Snakes yeah. have tricks with ribs. That's yeah. What they do. Rib tricks, which yeah. is what a cobra is doing. Oh, so, it spreads. When a cobra. Okay, I guess I didn't know that. You know, so a flying snake is like a cobra, but think of the hood runs the entire length of a body. Mm. And so it can hood its whole body and create this flat. You know, you got the central spine and then like two really, really long wings. Yeah. You know, that are ribs. And so they'll launch themselves out of treetops and slither across the air and, you know, cruise. That's cool. um but they can go they can go quite a ways. And so that was seeing that was awesome. Like seeing a snake spread its its ribs like that. Uh the vine snake was way up there, flying snake was way up there. Uh cobras, man, are just epic. But not worth keeping as a pet. I would keep a vine snake. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No question. I would keep a vine snake. It's well, truly gorgeous and awesome. Yeah, that color of green feels unreal. Yeah, it really it really does. And then uh, the cobras just look fake. They look completely fake. They look like they're a cartoon. So big. They're big. They're looking you in the eyeball. They're yelling at you because they're angry. Their scales are large. Everything's, it just looks like a cartoon. You're mm -hmm. looking at this thing just being like, you're yeah. not, you're not real. Like this is, this is fake. Yeah. This is, this is not a real thing. And oh, it's, it's very real and very, very angry. And of course the Kings, the real, real big ones can go massive. So yeah, when they have a man, right? Yeah. When they rear to strike, you're talking about a hood that's, you know, bigger than a football and it could, it could be rearing six feet, you know? which is, I think a third of its length. If I'm remembering my Cobra yeah. stats, which would mean that an 18 foot, yeah, it can get real big over, over 14. Definitely. Yeah. But it's, um, that's enormous. Real, real big. Obviously, we, I think because of Jungle Book, we're all very fond of rock pythons. Those those <laughs> huge ones that can eat monkeys and 
mm-hmm. Ka from the Jungle Book is. Oh yeah, uh, the, I think it is. I thought you were gonna go with um, with mong- mongooses. Oh yeah, mongoose. You know, I would. I would. Yeah. So <laughs> that's some, speaking of pets. I would love a mongoose. I gotta yeah. say, my son really wants an otter or a mongoose. Those are the two things that he would like to have. And I don't think either are pets that work great in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> a mongoose would be fun. I think it, you could probably make a mongoose work somehow, but it would be totally unreasonable. Yeah. The otter, you know, do what I did with my daughter and just be like, you may have them all. Yeah. I mean, take, take them somewhere and just be like, yeah. I heard, I heard someone train them. Someone nearby was taking pictures them, of otters, them. I think in the Palouse River. So we actually just had, so last, last year in Coeur d'Alene Lake, we were there late in the season, which incidentally is my favorite now. Um, especially entering fall. You oh, know, it's so late. nice up there. So silent. Everybody's gone. The water's yeah. perfectly still. And we're in there, this icy cold water out there. Then an otter cruised through. Awesome. And yeah, that, that confuses me. Apparently, there's some up the rivers a little ways. We weren't too far from a river mouth, but I had never yeah, heard of or lake. seen an otter in a lake. Yeah. And it was... Uh, they're called river otters, right? So they don't belong in a lake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so anyway... Uh, get your kids pets why do you do this because you want to be a good character i actually was just reminded we were recording in a room where timothy the owl oh gosh timothy the owl (laughs) spent a a couple nights i believe oh longer than that was it a week he was here for a while yeah so there was a great horned owl fledgling stuck in a chain link fence and i can't remember who told us this i was in here working late on on the river thief and we, I was doing a lot of, a lot of late night editing shifts and like trying to get post production done, and I don't remember who showed up and said there's a great horned owl fledgling stuck in a chain link fence, but somebody did. Might have been Alec Ingerbritson. Uh, Alec might have been one of the ones I sent back, and so I sent some crew back. I was like, "What? It, you've got you left an owl like in distress, like stuck. <laughs> go get it. Yeah, <laughs> go get, go get it." Uh, so they did, and uh, this you know this young owl they got him fished out of this chain link fence and they brought him in a cardboard box here and we we had him sitting kind of against his back wall and he sat behind me while we were editing and he would just you know be hunkered down and he had the beat click yeah and he got clack, real mad clack, 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 that's clack. so loud just, but he yeah. was you know he he came to a a place where he was completely okay with us yeah you know, didn't just you feed chill. him. Oh yeah, we fed him a lot of raw chicken, and so you know we'd stick like a little shish kebab skewer of raw chicken in there, and he would eat it. Um, and then eventually, when he was strong enough, I just took him in that box because he didn't want to come out of the box. Understandably, you know, I was like, and so you the, don't the box remove, was, you don't get to remove them after. Yeah, <laughs> they're so healthy. The, <laughs> yeah, so the box the box was just open. You know, we left it open in here while we were working, and he just would watch us and yeah, and occasionally clack, and so we turn around and give him some chicken. Yeah. Um, I took him home and I put him in an ash tree in that box. Once I was like, okay, he's strong enough and he's, he's ready and just let the box sit in the ash tree. And then he, you know, would kind of hop around and, and hang out and come back in the box. My kids would go out and feed him. That's awesome. um, and then he started getting, you know, braver and braver and would go further up the tree. And then I was, I would walk home and it was still one of those crazy sessions. So it'd be like three in the morning. I'd be walking home and I'd get to my house and he w- he had flown over the house and had taken up residence in this, in this big spruce, I think it is. And, uh, might be a fir tree. I don't remember. 
an evergreen that was large. <laughs> Something with needles. Oh, uh, and he would just be yelling at me. So I'd be I'd be walking home and from about a half a block away, it's, I'd hear Timothy start hooting at me, and uh, so he'd be just hooting like mad uh, as I came up. And I knew that he was like he wanted me to feed him. It's like, dude, you're 75 feet up there, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'd set some chicken on the ground, you know, and and go in and uh, and owls are they don't have to learn things the way other birds do, so. You know, there's a lot of trainers who've said that owls are stupider. They're they're dumber uh, than other raptors. But the thing is, they have actually just more innate knowledge. They just have more understanding. Mm. You know, it just is just there. So I've I can't tell you how many times I've heard people joke about the ancients. You know, using the owls the symbol of wisdom and how stupid that was because owls are dumb. Like no, actually. They're they're born. They're really, really, sorry, really, hatched. yeah, hatched, hatched, knowing how to born fly. from the shell. Almost, yeah. yeah, but they're they're really, really difficult to train, mm. uh, because they you're trying to overwrite things, and so when you hand rear a falcon or something like that, you're you know it's you're imprinting mm. on them, and they're going to learn, and you know it's it's a totally different relationship than we're doing with an owl, and so an owl is going to grow and and just know what to do. In yeah, a, in a different uh, way. One of my very favorite books b- when I was a kid was that Owls in the Family by Farley Mowat. Mm. Uh, it just, I mean, you can't read that book and not want an owl. Yeah. And speaking of owls, I recently made my kids watch uh, The Owls of Gahul with me. Legend okay, of the Guardians. Yeah. Great little movie. Uh, the I think I've seen the first one. Legend of the Guardians. Is there a second one? I don't know. Legend I mean, of like, the Guardians. I know there's a billion books. I can't yeah. remember if I Legend of the Guardians, Owls of Gahul. You know, Ed, you want to talk about stacking what ifs? Yeah. You, you stack a bunch of what ifs there. It's like, what if there's an ancient civilization that's gone, but there's a bunch of human ruins still here that we're living in for some <laughs> reason. And it's in Australia and there's an owl kingdom and there's this, like, there's and they this. They use weapons. And they, they have helmets and talons and they have blacksmiths. And, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's fun though. The animation's super fun. And so they all have Australian accents as well, which is extra oh, fun. I remember that. Yeah, so good. yeah, it's it's really well animated and it has all the Zack Snyder slow mo action shots that you'd expect with the owls. And here here's something that's a little fun fact for you. I haven't I haven't watched uh, a Harry Potter movie in forever, uh, but I noticed it in Owls of Ghoul this time. When you have an owl flying, uh, they we put sound on it. We put sound on the wings flapping. We put sound on them gliding through the air. They are silent. Yeah. So. When Hedwig comes in to see Harry, and the flutter of feathers, there would yeah. it would there would be no sound. Yeah, it would just be silent. It would feel fake because I see a bird flying, I don't hear anything, and so we we put the the sound design on there to make it feel real when it actually is. It's actually more fake. So owls have their superpowers. They have two of them. One is their feather design is such that it's silent, passing through the air. So owls. Uh, you can actually, Darren actually even sent me a clip of this. Uh, you can stack microphones, like big, big microphones, and have an owl fly right across the top of it. They've got it cranked, and guys are on headphones. You will not pick it up. That's awesome. It's like, it's just through the air. It's it's silent. I think they've tried to copy it for stealth fighters, I believe, yeah. the, the wiggling. Well, they need to go with feathers. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, it must Lots be Lots of metal. feathers, <laughs> make them smaller. Uh, 
but yeah, they're they're extremely silent. That is superpower number one, enabling them to be very dangerous hunters when they're dropping in on something. Uh, superpower number two is they can't smell. Mm-hmm. And this is why around where we are, the great horned owls are the only things dealing with the skunk problem. We need them. Yeah. So they love skunks. Yeah. They just <laughs> skunks all the live long day. And because, I think cats too. I think they keep oh, the yeah, feral they, cat population. They, down. they keep the cats down, the skunks down. Yeah. Uh, but the skunk can do whatever it wants. Apparently, my dogs and the owls are the only things that don't care about skunk spray. <laughs> oh, no. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and it's it's something I didn't know about nose dogs, like really, really charged, like hunting nose dogs, is that that smell is not a deterrent. And it's... it's They're just like, this thing is so easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the easiest thing in the world. And it, like, hilariously having dogs who are murdering a skunk and that skunk is doing everything it can you know to to deter these dogs and the dogs are just like yes <laughs> we got I'm him so excited <laughs> and you just made it smell even more awesome yeah, yeah um and the thing that was so funny to me is that the only deterrent that my dogs had for not killing skunks was getting shampooed afterwards like a bath that was the a worst bath thing is like a crazy crazy deterrent but the skunk spray no shampoo and water oh gosh <laughs> pure pure hell but if if i if there was another skunk sitting there just ready to spray him in the face they'd be all in they would yeah, just be 100 percent committed so did it work did you did the bath work to get yeah the- there's special skunk shampoo and that but worked okay but the thing it was funny this this one particular incident it was that was glorious uh, I may have told this story on this podcast. I don't know. We've been doing this podcast for a long time. No, too long. But I was going to a night shift. Is one of those one of those stretches where uh, my kids got old and it, it kind of smashed the system. But uh, I'd go through the day. Dinner time, I'm done working. We have dinner time, hanging around with the family, doing all the family stuff. My kids would go to bed. Heather and I would hang out and talk for a little bit, and then I would go back to work. And so I would end up going back to work usually like 9.30 or 10. Yeah, Canaan so, used to be a hopping place Yeah, at 10. <laughs> yeah, 10 p.m. And so we would go for a walk. We'd do, you know, we, we would go do a night walk around town. And then I'd come back to the house, say goodnight to her, and I'd head to the office. She'd do work at home, go to bed. I would show up at like 3 in the morning, uh, depending, 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning. It just depends on where I was in the deadline. But that was the rhythm of it. There was one night where she was like, do you have to, you know, really? Like you're getting back. Because we always talked about trying to get out of this rhythm. It'd be nice to not be in this rhythm. But I had another deadline coming and I was getting back into the night shifts again. And so we went on this nice long walk, you know, a couple miles or whatever, and then come back to the house. And she didn't want me to leave. She's like, just, we could just hang out one more night. We'll watch a movie, whatever get a good night's sleep and we can start tomorrow, that kind of thing. And I was like, no, I really need to start tonight. So I get in my truck and I drive this time down to Cannon and I make it maybe a block and my phone rings and it's Heather calling me and I'm like, okay, really already? (laughs) It's been 30 (laughs) seconds. But I answer it even though it was an unreasonably quick time. Um, And she's screaming. She is screaming bloody murder. Oh no. And... I don't know what's going on, but I'm half a block away and I just whip around. I can hear her yelling at the dogs. 
And so I hear all sorts of smashing and clattering. And it turns out she's throwing uh, iron patio furniture at my dogs. Trying, She's picking up chairs and throwing them at the dogs because they are uh, taking turns ragdolling a skunk on my back patio. So I come around. Dixie, the oldest one, she has the skunk's head in her mouth, like all the way in her mouth because she's getting her tongue and her cheeks chewed by a skunk. She's got the, the head in her mouth and she's ragdolling the skunk by the head while it's spraying everywhere. And, and then she throws it down and Molly, the second dog, jumps in and is, you know, scruff, right, you know, shaking yeah. it as well. And they're eight feet from the back door of my house. You know, kids are asleep. I show back up. Heather is, you know, she's she's throwing things at the dog. She's trying to get them under control. She finally gets them to leave it, which is really, really difficult to do. But she does get them under control. And I, I'm walking around the whole neighborhood. You know, the whole neighborhood reeks at this point. And I uh, come around. The skunk is alive and angry. But Dixie's broken its back. So it's paralyzed on, on the back patio. And it's completely empty of, of all juices. I mean, it has <laughs> emptied itself out. So the way the dogs were, were approaching the skunk was, was pretty violent. And it, it had plenty of time to, uh, to get all the spray out. And you think about it, spray like stopping a grizzly bear. Yeah. But not mountain lions, grizzly bears, but not GSPs. There's other dogs too that just love yeah. it too much. So... We then drive to Walmart. We buy the skunk spray. We have a whole routine. I mean, the dogs are so sad. We got them all tied up in the front of the house away, and they're just crying and just pulling, almost passing out. They're pulling so hard to get back to hit that skunk again. And it's it's so funny that they are they smell so vile. They're covered and they're covered, <laughs> wet to the touch, covered. Like the dogs are just they are sticky and wet with skunk spray Gross. like that's how sprayed these dogs are and and just want more and they're just bawling crying they want more so the poor neighbors you know just had these crying dogs outside and we had to do this outside wash and we bought the skunk spray and lathered them all up and they were just so miserable and they're crying because of that <laughs> and i I'd, I'd put them in the back of my truck even to drive off to walmart and stuff just to like air them out you know yeah. so we but we come back, we go through all this thing. The skunk has died of natural causes <laughs> on the back patio. I go get a trash bag and like have to grab it by the scruff and, you know, invert it and tie it, you know, and I, I bag the skunk. Um, and then finally, I, I missed my night shift. My wife was right. My night shift needed was all start, skunks. Needed to start got to bed day. like two or three in the morning, just dealing with all the skunk stuff. Our kids wake up. They were on the third floor of our house and so they were way up there and they wake up and they tumble out of bed and they take their showers get changed grab their stuff they grab backpacks and they go to school well there starts being this big question at school of like what's that smell <laughs> like what is that smell the whole gym reeked <laughs> and it was their backpacks oh, like no. their backpacks which had been in the house like inside the house Wow. They were like, they didn't reek. They were, right. you know, way, way up. But just grabbing their backpacks from inside the house, sealed off. We weren't part of the action. 
But the gym, the halls, everybody was like, what is this? <laughs> there's a skunk. <laughs> like somewhere there's a skunk. Like the power of that is is amazing. I don't quite understand how it works. Like there's got to be a spiritual aspect to it. Like I've I've read all the articles and I've seen all the diagrams. And I've watched all the videos of how skunk spray works and it still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, how they aerosolize that so well. To yeah, why it, how it can just cling to something. Yeah somehow that was nowhere near yeah uh is is really really weird to me but anyway that's my dogs and this has been the pet episode <laughs> the thing is i honestly i want a lot you know i want more you know it's we gotta we gotta get through some different more and different but you got, i want to do a good job with these yeah pets yeah and then you know do i expect to have more critters at different points absolutely i do totally. um but i i think it's it is all connected to who are you and on this planet what is this world who is your god who made you what else did he make like what else yeah. did he make yeah. and what kind of character are you supposed to be then do you want to be the mom who is saying no you can't johnny no never no you know do you want to be the dad who's like you know what your mom's a bummer and i just don't feel like dealing with it so we're not gonna have a dog right i mean that's that's just the worst yeah so when we got our first dog the amount of money and headache and hilarity that we were going to have, we just had no idea how much there was, like how much future there was. But we knew as my oldest was in sixth grade and we wanted him to have a dog when he was a kid. Yeah. And that was the mechanism is we would like him to have had a dog while he was a boy, right. like in boyhood. Yeah. Because there is nothing like boyhood and a dog. And yeah. it's not to knock girls and dogs. My girls adore our dogs and they have right. hilarious relationships. But there is something about being a boy just out in the mud and the creek. Like he's a the dog's like a chaperone, but with no inhibitions and is going to behave even worse than you are. <laughs> like and and forces you to be the responsible one. Yeah. In a in a really weird kind of a weird kind of a way. But childhood in general, childhood and puppies and dogs, like yeah. that is. Oh man, even just a week of it, watching the puppy with, you know, yeah. the fourth graders, the oldest is clearly, yep. his, you know, he loves. It's, a, it's a kind of affection and a kind of loyalty that exists nowhere else. It's a very distinct and interesting thing. Yeah. And you think it's a picture of yeah. this world. So it's, it is very much a picture of this world. And it is when you have the patience and the tolerance to give that to your kids in a way that you're going to, you're going to be able to do it without sin. You're going to, you're not going to be, you're going to be spiritual. You're going to love the dog too. You're not going to be this resentful. I hate this creature, Yeah, but you're ready for the suffering. You're ready for the funny. You're ready to, you're ready for the loyalty. <laughs> you're ready for all the things. Um, it's really great. I mean, it's just, there's, there's nothing like it. No oh, man. There's nothing like it, but there's plenty of people who are like, yeah, we gave our kids rabbits. We gave our kids a horse. We gave our right. kids different things. A it's Venus like, flytrap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all tried that. Maybe we could do better than that. <laughs> but a Venus flytrap is pretty cool. Uh, but that that is you as a parent imitating God and what he did to us. Like he gave yeah. us joy and like a ton of hilarity in all these creatures. Yeah. But it's also wild responsibility and total pain. Oh, man. A total pain. One of my favorite moments was just trying to put a baby magpie up in a nest yeah. and I popped it in my backpack and crawled the tree and popped it over the edge and all three other magpies jumped out of the nest because um, the <clears> nest <throat> was full of a bunch of other ones and I thought, I just ruined this. 
<laughs> I was all like, oh, climb up, save this baby bird because it couldn't fly yet. Yeah. And so I pop it in and then all of its siblings were like, we're going to die and jump out of the nest. Yeah. Well, I've got some terrible magpie stories. Yeah. That I, I, I will not tell on this particular podcast. <laughs> magpies are bad, bad creatures. Yep. And there's also, as a side note, like, don't get all sentimental either. Yeah. Like, love animals, like, steward animals, care for animals, but to get all emotional and sentimental is what leads you into weird, like, we can't eat meat yeah. things. So... I think the farmer, the farmer, farmers have such a good relationship with animals. Yeah. They know they have a purpose and a place and they love them deeply, but yeah. they also have a very clear hierarchy of. Yep. And we, we care an for animal. you and this is, this is where this is going. We're moving towards hamburgers on the 4th of July. You right. know, like this is, yeah, this is what we're doing. Yep. Um, and so you can have people try to divorce themselves from that relationship by getting more impersonal and having factories care, you know, like factories do that elsewhere. We don't need to see that. We we can keep it way out of sight, out of mind. Um, and then you have farmers who live with it. Yeah, you know. And I I love it. We have never done 4-H with our kids, but I really do love it. We've done our own version of it, just with like exotic reptiles and stuff. But, <laughs> but exotic reptiles. Raising 4-H. a raising a pig, raising something that you're then auctioning off. You're then selling for meat, and yeah, you know, and having to care for them, and you know, and and be there as a master, as a steward is, is a great thing. So there's pets and then there's food animals, you know, chickens with eggs right. and, and so on. Uh, we've not done the food animals. You know, it's like we, we could, we have the land, we've thought about it, but we kind of did all the, all the life lessons, all the stewarding with just pets. Yeah. Lots and lots of pets. Yeah. And pets gone wrong. Many pets gone wrong. We did actually have one mouse that we tried to feed to a snake and the mouse survived for three days evasively like just until they kind of cohabited the snake gave up mm -hmm. and they were and we'd named that mouse odd and then uh i i thought you know what odd the mouse kind of earned it he earned it yeah, yeah three he earned it you earned it odd you're going free like mm -hmm. so i released odd out into the neighborhood and odd uh, and he had kind of come of age too. Like we bought him at a, as a, he was a food mouse mm -hmm. from a pet store. Odd broke back into our house and started showing up. And I, I had released him quite a ways away <laughs> and odd started, I'd walk down the basement stairs and he'd just be sitting on the stairs looking at me and just watch me go by. You know, it's like, it was not, there was no, this was not a wild mouse. This mouse did not know <laughs> what he was supposed to be doing. And I figured out, like, okay, I hunted down how he was getting in the house and blocked it, uh, patched the mouse hole, and put him back outside in the bushes. And then the next day, I found him sitting outside that blocked hole uh, with his head and shoulders bitten off. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh odd. odd, you were never going to make it. <laughs> you were never going to make it. And that, I think, is this perfect... The, with the weird balance of how our sentimentality goes wrong, where it's like, here, I bought yeah. this mouse and I put it in the cage with the snake. And then he is battled and fought and survived. And so you put way too much narrative. Yeah. And it's like, so it's suddenly I'm like, this food mouse has lived and is scampering around yeah. on the top of the cage and evading the strikes until the snake's given up. And then they're sleeping together. The snake's coiled and the mouse is sleeping on the snake. This is, it's weird. And I was like, you know what? I yeah. just, I, I put too much narrative, exactly too much narrative on it. 
Now, to, if I was going to do it again, I either would release him further away from my house or I would just crack his head on a rock and feed him to the snake dead. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. you know, like it's that kind of a thing. But because I went the other direction, I was like, here, you may live free, odd the mouse. Uh, he fed something else. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. But probably one of your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the dogs. Oh, okay. <clears throat> they didn't have access to that part of the house, that side. But whatever it was, was not interested in his haunches. It was only interested yeah. in the top. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, that, that kind of wraps up our, our pet tale. Don't we, we get, have, don't get too sentimental. We didn't do spirited away. Oh yeah. Should we, we talk about that briefly? No, it's already 50 minutes. They'll have to wait. They'll have to wait for that. And Cause we have to say, get your questions. Yeah. Okay. So for, with spirited away and uh, we had a bunch of people ask questions about how that could possibly know. be a good movie. Yeah. How's that a good movie? Uh, and I think the question was like most Christian animated movie or something like that. And yeah. Those are not categories I like to use that way. So I'll kind of, when we discuss it, I'll break down even classify, classifying something like that. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about Spirited Away and why it's a good film, why it actually is a good yeah. movie and why it was one of my kids' favorites uh, yeah. growing up. We'll cover that. And we'll also talk about Slumdog. We're coming up on the next Yeah, lamp. so next week is next our lamp. lamp. It'll release, though, the first week of April. So. Yeah. Okay, so get your get your Slumdog watched. If you want to, watch Spirited Away and get in Spirited Away questions. We'll do them in the same episode. Okay. Um, Spirited Away being kind of the bonus. Okay. Um, but yeah, get watch Slumdog, get your questions in, questions in for Spirited Away as well. That's great. Meanwhile, That's next get week. your kids' pets. You can even go find and one And just outside. think about all the, yeah, just go find <laughs> one outside. And think of all the stories you'll start layering and all the opportunities you'll have to uh, fail as a character. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There will be many. Brian has already had a couple with Scout <laughs> sounds, the Beagle. It sounds like that's it. That's all that I've done. <laughs> yes. <is> oh. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Stories or Soul Food. And I have something special for you because I'm excited about it. So you get to hear about it. It is this brand new book uh, by Canon Press about stories. It's called 32. Yes, the number. 32 Christians Who Changed Their World by Dr. Glenn Sunshine. And it's stories of everyday Christians all around the world throughout history, the people you haven't heard of, true multiculturalism, and the way, uh, short stories of how their lives um, changed history and their own culture. It's inspirational. I mean, the Christian faith is a call to adventure. And of course, on our podcast, we love to talk about how stories affect that. And some of my favorite ways of doing that is talking about famous characters in history and not famous characters in history. Oh, and one more part. Uh, I get very excited about this stuff as a publisher. Look how cool the shiny black foil is on the nice yellow binding. It's just fun to have a nice hardback book. Anyways, this is available now. It's just releasing brand new 32 by Glenn Sunshine. <laughs>